Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. And if you're watching us on video, you don't need to adjust your monitors. The draft logo went out like the bat signal and called the three amigos back together. That's right. It's me, Matt, and Dennis here to review what felt like 72 hours of live draft coverage. Um, I know it wasn't that long, but my gosh. Whoever produced the Oscars was watching that, trying to get a new job. But uh, Dennis, I'll start with you first. How was your weekend? How was your draft experience? So my draft experience was generally good. Thursday night at home, wife leaving me alone and watching the draft and, you know, good. Um, I had the draft on the TV, but in my ear, I also had the Dynasty Nerds live stream of the draft with Tim Martins and Dan Toomey. So I was listening to them talk about the uh, uh, fantasy implications of the first round. And there were, what, 10 fantasy-relevant players drafted. Now, you could argue offensive linemen are probably fantasy-relevant. And they, they help players score fantasy points, but if not directly scoring them. Uh, but but it was generally good. Friday, I was driving up to New York. We had the Dynasty Nerds annual meeting. Uh, and Rich has a place up in upstate New York. And so we all went up there, kind of up in the mountains. It was, it was really, really nice. Fantasy football has been good to Rich. Uh, so we were up there, had our annual meeting, watched day three of the draft. Uh, so Friday night, I was driving, uh, listening to the live stream of the draft, not watching it on my phone while I drove, listening to it. Um, but, uh, overall I enjoyed it. Came home Sunday, spent five hours doing yard work after driving for five hours, you know, typical weekend. And it's cold. It's like 39 degrees here right now. It's terrible. At least that meant you didn't have to go to baseball today. So yeah, you know, it was opening day, you know, Cole's Cole is on the verge of taking that next step in his, his production. He had a nice play at practice the other night where he just made a beautiful, like, he, he's like Jeff Kent at second base. Like, he, his range is like a step and a half in either direction. But everything he gets to, he catches. Like, he's beautiful. Throw, he's accurate. Made a beautiful field at this thing. Threw it Well, it was deflected by the pitcher. And so it was slowed down. He fielded it, fast runner, scooped it up. 
literally first baseman, glove out, chest high, hit the dude in the glove, and the ball just bounced out. You know, I think growing up in California, I never realized what a challenge it was when it comes to baseball season. But, like, here, the first opening day for baseball, just like you, we got, like, seven inches of snow. So I'm sure Matt doesn't have those challenges. If you were on the Campus to Canton channel over the weekend, uh, you got to see Matt and I talking about the draft a lot. It did feel like we were on for 72 hours at some points in time. But uh, have you recovered? I mean, sort of. It's still been a very. Um, I'm still trying not to cough up a lung currently, so it's it's been rough. I mean, if you were watching the coverage, I spent a lot of time like behind the scenes when just kind of jump in um, when certain big picks went down, so I could you yell really quick. Fits. And then yeah, and then go back background because I was coughing up a lung. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was. Uh, an interesting draft to say the least, uh, probably one of my least favorites since I've been in the industry, just with all the, in my opinion, horrible landing spots that we're about to talk about. So, but it was fun. It's still great to kind of get behind the mic and, and talk with everybody. It was fun to watch the reactions and everything. So. Well, speaking of coughing up a lung, the, uh, the Eagles managed to cough up a fourth round pick to pry DeAndre Swift from the Detroit Lions, which was probably one of the best things to happen to fantasy players after seeing uh, Jameer Gibbs taken uh, in round one on Thursday night. So, Matt, I'll start with you. Do you like the fit, and how do you feel about him for fantasy? Yeah, I I love the fit for the Eagles getting a running back that if he stays healthy will likely smash. And I think we have to give a round of applause to Howie Roseman because not only did he get that pick – he also, I believe, got a conditional pick that can turn into an even – it's like a top 100 pick if they don't re-sign DeAndre Swift. So I imagine they're not re-signing DeAndre Swift this offseason, uh, which is just a master class in, in uh, being a GM in the NFL. But it, it should be a really good fit for them. They have Rashad Penny, but we've talked about before. You know, it, It's not a – contract that lends itself to being an NFL starter. It's a million-dollar contract. I mean, they can get out of that fairly easily if they want to. I don't think Swift is coming in there to be the guy. I think they will split the carries. But at times in Detroit, we saw when he was healthy, even splitting carries with Jamal Williams. I don't remember who it was his first season. Was it uh, – I can't remember for the life of me who it was. I want to say it was – I it Frank more uh, stuck in my head, but I don't think it was Frank or Frank or was in Buffalo. No, no. Who was in was gone by then one day. Yeah, but they had somebody gone. before they signed Jamal Williams. But regardless, we'll figure it out eventually. Whoever it was, whenever he was splitting time, though, he was extremely effective. And I think Philly is going to do the same thing with him. So I like the landing spots better than what was likely going to happen to him in Detroit. You know, he was last year, he actually had scored more, more points per game than Jamal Williams, despite Jamal Williams putting up 17 touchdowns. So the production can be there. Detroit had a great offensive line. Philadelphia has a great offensive line. Philadelphia has a very high-powered offense. I do see a scenario where um, Swift gets 65% of the running back touches pretty comfortably. Um, he should dominate the receiving. He's. It's all going to come down to his health. And if he stays healthy this year, it wouldn't surprise me if they do try to re-sign him to, you know, one of these three-year, fourteen million, three-year, eighteen million dollar contracts with, uh, you know, reasonable outs like have been going to like Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, these guys. 
it, you know, because he's super dynamic. There's no doubt about that. I love the fit. I think it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he's a top top twelve RB, maybe top eight. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the fit and I like the move. I feel like Philly does a, a committee, so I had him in the um, RB two range before. I still think that's you know he has a ceiling where he could go higher, but that's probably a comfortable spot for me. Um, another team that decided to address their backfield. We thought the Buffalo Bills might take a running back in the draft, but uh, nobody is exactly sure what Buffalo's draft strategy was. We'll probably get to that uh, a little bit later. They did sign Latavius Murray to a one-year deal today. So, Dennis, I'll start with you. Murray joins the backfield where they have a second-year man in Cook, and they went and signed um, Damian Harris. Harris. So what do you make of the Murray signing? You know, I I, I haven't seen what the amount was yet, but it it feels like a, a real insurance policy kind of signing. You know, if you've got, he's not as dynamic as Damian Harris. He's reliable. He he can re, be reliable on all three downs. Uh, he's a professional running back. He's a fantasy zombie. You know, just go away already. But I, I think they want they want it to be Cook, but they recognize at a hundred and what was he ninety five pounds that James Cook isn't Dalvin Cook, and so they're going to need they're going to need to split the workload up. It's going to be one of those things when Cook is out there, he's probably got a pretty good chance of getting the ball versus Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Uh, They'll be guys that could be out there just to stick their nose in there, pick people up, make some blocks, things like that. They'll get some touches. Wouldn't surprise me actually if Harris leads the team in carries, but Cook is the more valuable running back. And Latavius Murray, honestly, I think is just there to be insurance because he's cheap and he's always going to be ready. Yeah, I just view him as insurance and a, a can't body right now. I, it doesn't move the needle for me if I have Damian Harris or, or James Cook. I expect it, unless there's an injury that both those guys are going to be split in the backfield in Buffalo. Uh, in another piece of news, um, which probably shocked the crap out of the uh, Denver press, who has been assuring me for weeks that we had no interest in picking up Jerry Judy's fifth-year option, the Broncos, despite trading up to draft a wide receiver, did pick up Jerry Judy's fifth-year option. So, Matt, what do you make of the receiver situation in Denver? Sounds to me like Cortland Sutton's going to be the one that's going to get moved. I, I really don't know. I mean, they they signed Patrick la- last year, right before the injury. They signed both Patrick and Sutton last year. So Patrick Sutton, and they draft uh, Marvin, Marvin Mims. Mims. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe they're going all in to make sure that they have a chance to. I, I think they realize that their window is probably the next couple years, especially with the Russell Wilson contract. So maybe that's what they're doing, picking up Judy. I mean, a fifth-year option on the contract is cheaper than what you're going to get him if you sign him. So maybe it's more of like we know we've got this season and next season and we'll kind of reevaluate where we're at. So that's the way that I would look at it overall. Yeah, it's it's wings up for Russell Wilson, I think. You know, there's talk that uh, Javante isn't going to be ready. Samaji P. Ryan's going to be the lead back to start the year. Um, you know, they went out and got Troutman. I, I don't know. You know, Troutman do, is, still feels like Dulcich is the much better tight end, but Troutman knows the offense. 
I I feel like they're just amassing weapons and looking to the future. Whether they trade Sutton or not, you know, KJ Hamler is probably the odd man out. Mims will be a rookie. He's going to have to earn some snaps. Signing Judy, picking up his fifth-year option. He's good, and Cortland Sutton is good. Uh, I think they're still going to be the top two guys there. Sands, you know, anybody getting traded. But Mims and Patrick are uh, very formidable. I think it might move them over my uh, proclamation last year that the Los Angeles Chargers had the best foursome. Uh, I think right now that best foursome might be sitting in Denver. We'll see if it matters. I'm trying to to level my expectations after last year's sheer disappointment. Uh, Dennis, you and I had the over-under at uh, two and a half uh, first-round trades uh, when we last spoke last Monday. That was very off, uh, both of us taking the under. There was a record 43 trades during this draft. What do you make make of them going trade-happy during the NFL draft? So I'm not saying that NFL GMs play dynasty fantasy football, but man, it kind of seems like, you know, with the proliferation of analytics and very much being focused on value, whether it's pick value versus player value, uh, it's starting to look like, you know, they're, they're combining their film grades and their grades and they're saying, you know, yeah, we could take this guy here, but he's probably, Really, and what do we say in Dynasty? Get your guy, and that's what it feels like GMs are doing. GMs and people, whether it's the head coach on the show, they're 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 making determinations that this is my guy you know, in different parts of the draft and they're making deals to go get them. I think it's great. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with that. And then the, it just felt like a very weird draft class. I feel like there was a lot of depth in this class, but not necessarily a lot of those high end players. So I think as the draft kind of started going, a lot of these GMs were just like, let's move here and there to go up and get our guys because they probably saw I – mean, we saw Sean McVay actually had a press conference uh, early, I think it was yesterday, um, watch about him talking about how he and his staff tier players. It's very much what we do in the fantasy football business. So I think a lot of teams actually do that as well, and they're probably looking as like, oh, well, there's a player left in this tier that we want to go get, and they just moved up and got him. And I expect that to happen a lot because I actually think a lot of these draft classes coming down the pipe, there's not as many of these elite talents at the top. It's a lot of guys kind of grouped together. Well, as we move in to look at our draft coverage, we're going to hit each of the four fantasy positions. And um, for each of those, we're going to give you our favorite landing spot, a guy who rose and a guy who fell for us in that position. Then um, look at what it means for our rookie drafts, which I don't know. Spoiler alert. I'm not as pumped about my rookie drafts, but Matt, we'll start with the quarterback position. So why don't you give us your favorite quarterback landing spot, a guy that rose for you and a guy that dropped. 
<sighs> okay, so favorite landing spot is probably Anthony Rich. Not probably. It's Anthony Richardson to to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, I, I think that was kind of the the bingo square, uh, the free bingo square uh, in, in the draft. And somebody wanted a quarterback to fall to Indy. You know, Shane Steichen with what he did with Jalen Hurts the past couple of years, I think hopes gives you a lot more hope for Anthony Richardson. He, he definitely has things to work on but he's arguably the most athletic player as soon as he steps on the field. And he's got a ton of weapons around him. Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce on the outside. He's got Will Mallory, who they drafted, I think is a great tight end. Jelani Woods. Uh, they still have Mo Ali cox there. Then they bring in Josh Downs in the slot, and you have one of the best offensive lines, and you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Like, it's an amazing place for Anthony Richardson. So that is my favorite landing spot. The biggest rise, oh man, that probably should have been my biggest rise too, because I, I kind of feel like he, he you wasn't can have the same person answer more than one question. All right, it's, that's my biggest rise too. He was, I mean, he was probably, I, I'd gone back and forth between him at QB2 and QB1 because if we're, we're playing fantasy. While I am hesitant to say that I think Anthony Richardson may ever win a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts, sorry, Tony. For fantasy, Anthony Richardson has the most upside, and that's all we realistically care about. So I think he's going to score you a ton of points. But I, I was hesitant on, on kind of where I had him ranked, but he definitely had my biggest rise landing landing in Indy as well. I just I, I don't see I mean, arguably, even if he ends up not being that good, he's probably bringing you three, four, five years of extremely great fantasy production just with his legs alone. Biggest fall. I mean, it's hard to say Will Levis because I didn't like Will Levis to begin with. A lot of us at Campus to Camp thought he was a second-round pick to begin with, and that ended up coming true. It's probably C.J. Stroud. I, I, I love Stroud as a player and a person, but I don't like the landing spot of Houston at all. Uh, I've talked a lot about how he just doesn't perform well out of structure or when pressured. It's why I wanted him to go to Carolina and Bryce Young to go to Houston because I felt like that really kind of amplified their personal skill sets. I think the bad offensive line in Houston, a, a defensive-minded head coach, is going to limit his volume passing. Well, I like that they went and got Jonathan Mingo. I don't think they have a real stud wide receiver around him as well to help him. So, like, I Mingo went to Carolina. Oh, even better. I forgot about that. Who he has Ro he has Robert Woods, Xavier Hutchinson, and Hutchinson, Tank Dell. that's who it was. Hutchinson, yeah, Hutchinson and Tank Dell, even better. Yeah, a, a contested catch guy and a guy who's like 5'8", 150, soaking wet. I just don't a love A 5'8", contested catch guy. Yeah, it's, you know, not to say that I think CJ Stroud's going to be a bad player, but I think a lot of people, if you had, had traded for picks in this draft, you were hoping to get a QB like eight to 14 range. I think at best you're looking right now at like QB 16 to 20, unfortunately. So I would say Will Levis, but I thought Will Levis was going to be bad to begin with. So I'll go with a player who's actually good in CJ Stroud, who I think unfortunately took a massive fall with where he landed. Yeah, I don't mind Stroud's landing spot. I think that the expectation, even if Bryce Young had been, been drafted by Houston, I don't think that the ceiling for 2023 was very high on either one of them. Um, for me, my favorite landing spot, um, it, it wasn't Jameer Gibbs uh, until day two. And, but it was. We're, just, we're doing quarterbacks first. Oh, damn it. I knew I'd get out of sync here. Favorite quarterback landing spot, Stetson Bennett. Um, 
he, there's no pressure on him. I get it. He's 35 years old already. Um, but Stafford has a back issue, isn't going to be around for more than a couple years. Beth, Bennett is a proven winner. He has moxie. It, it wasn't like, you know, he was throwing to a bunch of first-round wide receivers. Yes, he's got Brock Bowers, who uh, looks like he's going to be a generational tight end talent. Had some pretty good running backs, good offensive line. He goes to a situation where he can be the backup for a couple years, and when Stafford retires, he'll have an opportunity to play for a second contract and you know, put up four, five, six years of probably decent numbers. He can be, I think, in that Russell Wilson, Drew Brees kind of mold. Maybe he doesn't have the best deep ball, but he, the, his velocity at the combine was the same as Will Levis. Now you could say, okay, he was putting all five foot ten, 195 pounds into those throws, but the the velocity was the same. He's mobile, um, and and I think for fantasy, he's one of those guys you want to draft late or pick up as a free agent. So last round free agent, throw him on your taxi squad, and if Stafford gets hurt, he may be the guy that steps up year one, uh, and when Stafford steps away in a couple of years, he could be the guy to take over. So I, I think there's definitely a uh, a path to touches here in before his first contract is up. The biggest fall, I, I think it's Levis. I Stroud going from one to two, I, I don't consider that to be much of a fall. Uh, but Levis, a lot of fantasy analysts, he kind of went where they thought, but draft analysts were really talking him up. And the default kind of position I heard from fantasy analysts was, well, we don't think he should go that high. But if he gets top 10 draft capital, how can you not draft him, uh, you know, in the top seven of your Superflex dynasty draft? which I agree with. He he went to Tennessee. He's going to be behind Tannehill, who's probably closer to the door than Stafford is. Um, and while Mike Vrabel came out and said all the right things, you know, on Monday morning, Tannehill is our starter. Malik Willis, who's been here a year, is our number two. And Levis is our number three. Um, I feel like if Tannehill gets hurt in week one, uh, the only reason we see Malik Willis is because Will Levis is inactive, but week two, we would see Will Levis. That's kind of my feelings. Whether Will Levis can make anything happen with it, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, so for me, I, I'm a, I agree with you, Dennis. My favorite landing spot was probably Stetson Bennett because I think he locked himself in as QB six because late, you know, he's a guy you're going to get, especially in super flex drafts later, probably in the third round, but still might have a chance to play because the Rams traditionally only keep a couple of quarterbacks, and like you said, Stafford uh, 
hasn't been the healthiest the last couple of years. My biggest riser would be Anthony Richardson because I think he went from being probably the clear number three to you could make a case for him being not only the number one quarterback, but as Matt did on our live draft coverage, possibly your number one selection overall in Superflex because he has a high ceiling and he landed in an ideal spot. And I'm with you, Dennis, my my faller was Will Levis. And I think it's because in almost every mock that we've run here pre-draft, he was going in the first round. Sometimes you were seeing him go in the top six picks. Now, Tennessee, from a need standpoint, might make sense, but they arguably, I was thinking about it today, have the worst receiving core, wide receivers and tight ends of any team in the NFL. They literally did nothing. So they're looking like they're going to roll out there with an unironic top four of Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Nick Westbrook-Akini, and Chris Moore. Um, you talked about the the best top four receivers. Believer, are you? I have not. Um, and we liked what we saw from Chig, but I don't know. You know, that was small spurts toward the end of the season. So I don't think they have a lot around there. And if they do end up dumping Derrick Henry, they'll really have nothing going on offense. So I don't think it's a great spot for Levis. I'm not convinced he gets to play a lot this season. I wouldn't take him before the beginning of the second. I know some people have argued he's still a back end of the first in super flex. I just don't feel that confident. Now, Dennis, you can get to Jameer Gibbs. We'll let you kick off uh, who were your favorites uh, landing spot, riser and faller among running backs. So I I like where Devin A-Chain landed. I like where Tank Bigsby landed. And, and I liked where Kendry Miller landed. Gibbs was a surprise because he went at pick 12. And it was a surprise even to him. Uh, that didn't make a ton of sense. And as soon as it happened, you started hearing, oh, well, they intend to trade DeAndre Swift. You know, I intend to make a lot of trades with people I don't want on my team anymore, but somebody has to be willing to take them at the price you, you're willing to give them up for. That being said, uh, moving Swift for what they did, maybe they sold low. Maybe they were like, you know what, we're going to cut our losses. I think... Uh, that's a lesson I could learn because I have a tendency to not be good at cutting my losses. And so Gibbs, I think Montgomery is going to lead the team in carries, might lead the team in touchdown rushes, but I think Gibbs is going to lead the backfield in fantasy points. He's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to run the ball enough. He's going to score enough touchdowns. He's a super dynamic player and he's going to get the opportunity to be put in space and they've got a guy in Montgomery over the next couple seasons that they'll be able to use his inefficient game to keep Gibbs from getting the heck beat out of him. Tank Bigsby, I think, slides right into the RB2 position in Jacksonville, and he's the he's the pounder to Travis Etienne's space player. He's, he's going to end up getting a lot of the carries, um, which Etienne is big enough. I just think that Peterson's going to want to split that backfield up. Kendry Miller is going to end up having, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, Kamara's suspension be his doorway to establishing himself. And if he plays well, he might be able to bump Jamal Williams. You know, Jamal Williams is a great story, but he's not an overly talented player. I, it's The easy one is um, B. John Robinson. Like, 
he might get 300 carries. That's going to be a run-first offense. I think Algier out. It wouldn't surprise me if Bijan got 280 carries and Algier got 150 in that offense this year. My favorite landing spot to, I mean, Bijan and Jameer are the easy ones. I'll go Devin Achain. And again, I think it's the free bingo square. We talk, I just talked about it with the Indianapolis Colts, whatever quarterback landed there. Everybody wanted a running back to land in Miami. And the fact that it's Achain that landed there, who has the literal Olympic speed along with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, like they're going to be running a track team out there every single week against these defenses. It's going to be a fun to watch. My biggest riser, and I, I think this is going to be intriguing to see where he goes. For me, it's Zach Evans. And it's because of the massive fall he took, but then the landing spot he got. We know Cam Akers, you know, he looked good at times, but there was so much going on behind the scenes with him and that team. I think it's the perfect blocking scheme, the perfect run system for a player like Zach Evans. I'm not expecting him to come in and be an RB2, but I do think that he's a guy that now you can get in round three or four of your rookie drafts that might have some weeks to do something for you, especially if Cam Akers cannot stay healthy. My biggest faller has got to be Zach Charbonnet, and it's it's solely because of the landing spot. I mean, he went in the second round nine picks after where they took Kenneth Walker last year, and I just don't see where he comes in and get. We a lot of people had him as RB three in this draft class. I don't know how he retains that kind of value now because he's going to be at best splitting that workload with Kenneth Walker, and even with Seattle, who. If we were looking at Seattle from five years ago, who was the team who ran one of the most in the entire NFL, if you actually go back the past two years, they were 29th and 27th in running. That's not what I want from a guy going to a team with, with a guy like Kenneth Walker there. So Charbonnet has to fall, I think. And I would take, you know, Kendra Miller. I'm not in on the Tajay Spears bandwagon. I don't know where that's coming from personally. I don't know where I would take Charbonnet. I think I would just avoid Charbonnet at this point because I just don't see, unless Kenneth Walker gets hurt, I don't see a lot of value for Charbonnet. So, unfortunately, he's my follower. You're muted, Matt. Of course. Um, he was my follower, too, because, you know, I think going back to, we did a lot of rookie mocks before the NFL draft. And he was not only going as the third running back, you were seeing him a lot of times. He was going the sixth or the seventh pick, uh, depending on how people felt, because it seemed like that was like a pretty clear choice. But it, it's a great landing spot from an NFL standpoint, as people have pointed out. The Seattle Seahawks added, took two of the best potential fantasy prospects. And for fantasy, they didn't help either of them, but for their NFL team, they've built some great depth at wide receiver. They have depth at tight end. They've built depth at running back. They went and got poor Kenny McIntosh later in the draft. So, you know, he's even further down the chain uh, <clears throat> than Charbonnet. So from that standpoint, it made sense. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm with you because I don't know. I've seen um, in a couple of the mocks that I've taken place after the draft, people are still going and getting him like pick eight, nine or ten. I'm not, I'm not doing it because you, you want somebody who, you know, can be a reliable starter and Kenneth Walker. I don't even know how to feel about him right now because prior to the draft, he was, we all had kind of moved him up to being a top five dynasty running back. It gives me pause that they went and got 
another big running back behind him. So that whole thing was kind of a little bit of a, of a fantasy bummer. Um, but I, I was also like you. I liked the Zach Evans. Uh, so Pete lane. Carroll Pete Carroll is being an RB hoarder like that fantasy manager in your league, thinking he'll be able to trade him for a haul. I made a couple of jokes uh, after the during our second round coverage that Pete uh, Pete's dynasty league does rookie drafts before the NFL draft, and he was just trying to balance the odds um, because it it certainly you're looking at some of the the picks and they made sense for the Seahawks, but not for fantasy. Um, but I'm with you, Matt. I y- you touched on the three guys that probably stood out to me. I liked. Um, Devin Achain because we waited for three years for Miami to actually take a running back. And after they re-signed the entire mod squad, I didn't know if that was going to happen. Um, but I'm kind of excited to see you what happens like there. I don't like what? Link? I mean, I just don't trust any of those guys. Maybe he'll be better. Um, He's the only one from the mod squad I could remember. And I liked the Zach Evans because who knows what's happening uh, with the Rams. I forgot they didn't take a receiver. I started looking at their receiving depth chart. There's Cooper Cup, and then there's a whole lot of question marks. Which brings uh, us they, to they took a receiver, Puka Nakua. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Puka. Yeah, they didn't take a receiver, Matt. Come on, nah, uh, gonna see play time probably. Yeah, this. Yeah, the Rams are one place where Tutu Atwell looks like a good pick right now. Uh, Matt, that leads us perfectly into receivers. We saw a lot of guys not fall where we thought they were going to fall, either for teams or in terms of draft capital. So what did you make of the receivers? Uh, So favorite landing spot is probably got to be the TCU Horn Frogs of the West. And the Los Angeles Chargers getting Quentin Johnston. I, I now Johnston was not my one. He was actually my three. And I think you could argue all three of them. Love JSN's landing spot in the future, and Jordan Addison's really paired with Justin Jefferson. But QJ has the opportunity to be the one in the in the Chargers offense moving forward with the, them having the ability to get out of Keenan Allen this year, and I believe Mike Williams as well. Both of those guys as well don't ever stay healthy for an entire season, and you're attached to Justin. Herbert on top of having Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator. Now, like everything is lining up for Quentin Johnston on top. He has the chance to be the number one wide receiver in this class, just because of his speed and his size. He's the only one in this class that has the alpha traits. If he puts it all together. And I think he landed in the perfect spot for that to happen. My biggest riser, it's got to be Jonathan Mingo. I mean, he's a guy who I had as like my wide receiver eight, nine coming into the process to get second round draft capital. He was the sixth wide receiver off the board, I think, or no, fifth wide receiver off the board. Fifth wide receiver off the board going to a Carolina room that is wide open, in my opinion. I mean, you're looking at Terrace Marshall. Oh, okay. Like, no, I'm good. Well, Yeah, I mean, he has the chance to be the number one with, in my opinion, you could argue the number one quarterback in this class with Anthony Richardson. It's it's between Bryce Young and A. A. Rich. Find a great offensive line, a new system. Like, I I love the landing spot for Jonathan Mingo. I think he has to rise up. In my opinion, in single quarterback leagues, he should be considered to be a back end of the first round pick. My biggest faller. I actually don't know. I was trying to think of who I should have as my as my biggest follower, and I can't. I just had it in my head, and now it went away, and I can't remember. Josh Downs. There we go. I was trying to remember who it was. It was between Jalen Hyatt and Josh Downs. 
Josh Downs was a guy we thought was going to be a first-round pick. In fact, when we were doing the live stream, we thought that's who Buffalo was trading up to come get because they needed a slot wide receiver. <laughs> that's who they should have traded. <laughs> it is who they should have taken. You're right. Well, they took Dalton Kincaid to play the slot. Yeah, oh, so, so they say. Uh, but all these teams that needed slot wide receivers passed on Josh Downs. And in fact, it took to the Colts trading up in the fourth to get him. And I know a lot of people are excited about that because of that. But again, I, I talked about this on, on a stream I was on late Friday night when the, when the trade happened and he went. If you go through Shane Steichen's history, he does not feature the, the slot wide receiver. It's the tight end and his outside wide receivers. Tell me who the slot wide receiver was in Philadelphia. You can't because he didn't matter. It was all about A.J. Brown, and it was all about Devonta Smith, even going back to the year prior. They feature the tight ends. They feature the outside wide receivers. I just, I just don't love the landing spot for Josh Downs. I hope that I'm wrong on him because I love the player. And, and Anthony Richardson also, if you go back into college, where did he struggle the most? It was over the middle of the field and in the short. He loves going deep. They're not sending Josh Downs deep. So for me, as much as I love the player, I think it's 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 not a great landing spot in that offense with that quarterback and that offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, for favorite landing spot, it's easy to go Mingo. Favorite riser, it's easy to go Mingo. I like Jordan Addison as my favorite landing spot. You know, he's he's going to be parked up against uh, opposite Justin Jefferson and. I think we all agree they're probably going to have a new quarterback next year, maybe the year after. We don't know what that's going to be. Maybe Kirk survives. Who knows? But Addison, you know, he was really high, and then his athletic testing brought him down. But when you look at the tape, I mean, his tape with Pickett in Pittsburgh was phenomenal. Wasn't quite as good with Caleb Williams, um, but he looked great in Pittsburgh put really nice tape out. I think he's going to he's going to be a really good complement to Justin Jefferson uh, in Minnesota. I do think that they're going to start off with KJ Osborne kind of as that number 2. I think Addison overtakes him by mid-season. Uh you know, Osborne's what 27 years old, 28 years old already. He's been in the league a while and while we've seen them have success with Adam Thielen taking that same route um, I just think Addison's going to be the better receiver. Uh, the biggest rise, you know, outside of Mingo, I think is Jaden Reed. Uh, he landed, I think he's going to step right into the slot role in Green Bay. I mean, all of Green Bay's receivers that they have under contract right now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, are first and second year guys. You know, they're going to have Christian Watson on the outside. Um, Romeo Dobbs will be the two. Reed is going to slide five foot ten. 180-ish pounds, great separation, short area. Uh, he's going to slide right into that slot receiver role in Green Bay. It'll depend on will they be? Will it be? Let's hope Jordan Love meets the expectations. You know, I liked Rashi Rice landing in uh, Kansas City as well, 24th pick of the second round. The thing there is, it usually takes. Uh, receivers a couple seasons to kind of get solid in the flow of that Andy Reid offense. So, you know, we're looking at probably Sky Moore this year over Rashi Rice. Now Rice, he tends to play like he's Quentin Johnston size uh, and he's not. 
So we'll, we'll see. Uh, my biggest follower to me is Zay Flowers. I, I think he is a good wide receiver. He's small. He's he's going to Baltimore where he's going to be behind Mark Andrews, theoretically behind OBJ for at least four games till OBJ is injured. Um, Bateman will be coming back, you know, and Lamar is a middle of the field thrower and Zay Flowers is a five foot nine middle of the field receiver. I just don't feel like it's a great match in a low volume passing offense where Mark Andrews is going to hog all the targets and they're going to feel obligated to throw the ball to OBJ. You know, you, you mentioned Baltimore. I think one of the things we talked about over a couple of days on the stream is on paper, we all think Rashad Bateman is coming back and he had a couple of nice games to start last year, but he hasn't really been on the field. And it certainly seems like the moves Baltimore is making indicate that maybe they don't believe in him as much yeah. as some of us had, had believed in him when he got drafted. Um, they're ensuring themselves against what they've seen with their eyes. You guys have touched on a lot of the receivers that I thought had good landing spots. One uh, that has risen up for me, um, and I, I would probably laugh, and that's fine, is Marvin Mims. Um, I read all the oh, comments man. Sean Payton made, and I think the fact that they have um, hemmed and hawed about the receivers they have tells you that maybe he's not happy with exactly what he's working with. They made a move. They said that that was the player that they were targeting to get, and that's why they moved up to get him in the second round because they thought he was going to go before they could get him at the top of the third, and that makes me curious um, about how he's going to be deployed and about the potential there. Um, I think a follower for me – you know, Matt uh, on our live stream talked about not liking the pick is Cedric Tillman. Um, he was a guy coming into the draft I had kind of gotten excited about. I know we had all kind of been excited about the potential or potential sleeper. I don't love the landing spot in Cleveland where there's a lot of other guys and it's not entirely clear what they're going to do. Um, you know, most of the time under Stefanski, they've been a pretty run-heavy team. Are they going to change to be a pass-heavy team? They, it's good that they've gotten some additional weapons, but I just don't know how he's going to fit there. So he went from being a guy that I was kind of interested in grabbing to one who's probably slipped for me. Um, well, well, we'll wrap up by how about each of us give uh, one tight end selection that we liked. I don't know if we need to go through the t whole tight end group and then – um, we'll end with uh, how we feel about rookie drafts. But, Matt, what was uh, one tight end spot you liked? Um, I'll give you – I, I, I got to give you two. Uh, Tucker course. Craft – Nobody answers the question, so. I know. Tucker Craft. I, I know that he went behind Luke Musgrave, but I'll put it this way just to keep it short and sweet. I think this is going to end up being the Baltimore Ravens situation of them taking the wrong tight end first and getting the right one second – Luke Musgrave, I do not think is going to work out that well in Green Bay, even though I had him ranked higher. Love Tucker Craft. I think he's more Mark Andrews. Uh, and then Will Mallory to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, this is a guy who compares favorably to players like Jordan Cameron, Mike Gusecki, Noah Fant, Greg Olson, Jared Cook, and Kellen Winslow. You hear that list? All extremely good tight ends in the NFL. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be an absolute smash. He's likely a guy you won't even have to draft. You'll be able to pick him up as a free agent. You know, my favorite tight end landing spot was Sam Laporta. And 
you know, Detroit needed a tight end and they needed a tight end that could catch the ball. I'm, I'm torn because I don't know if I'm helmet scouting with Laporta and Detroit after they traded Hawkinson, their, their tight end scored nine touchdowns last year. It wasn't like they were completely devoid of talent, but you know, with the likes of Shane's or whatever Zelster brother is the tight end um, and James Mitchell and Brock Wright yeah, I just think Laporta is a more athletic. You've seen out tight ends. They tend to be willing to block. Five is a little bit on the smaller side. But if he's willing to stick his nose in there, I, I think that he'll be able to be on the field enough to be a solid over-the-middle receiver for Jared Lyons. I'm going to say, you know, maybe it's an obvious one, but I'm going to go with Michael Mayer landing with the Raiders. We've seen what the Raiders have done in that offense uh, with Darren Waller, who's moved on. Uh, Michael Mayer was a rare, you know, candidate that we like going into the draft that actually landed in a seemingly good spot, I would think, in a potential tight end premium. I would actually go back to considering him at the end of the first round, especially given the way the rest of this draft fell, which leads me to my final uh, question. Dennis, how are you feeling about a rookie draft after the NFL draft? Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking. There's a couple guys I'm looking at that I hope fall because of their situation. So, like, if I've got a team that's rebuilding, I'm okay taking JSN at 105 or Zach Charbonnet at 107. I think Charbonnet is going to be the pass catching half of that running back duo. Um, and depending on what happens with Walker, you know, there's going to be games where Charbonnet gets hot and Pete just leaves him in there. And while we saw Walker, what he catch 39 passes last year or something, it was surprisingly quite a lot based on his college usage. Uh, I do like, um, as long as I don't need them this year, I'm okay drafting Charbonnet and uh, JSN a little bit behind, but it's, you know, it's it's not a great great draft. The the small wide receivers, uh, if you're anti small wide receiver like me, you know it pushes up guys like Mingo and Tillman. Um, I I'm not I I'm more just let's just get through it and you know move on to the trade season and, and uh, startup season. It's underdog time. Uh, let's let's get on until we get to the season. Yeah, I mean, outside of the first round, I don't love rookie drafts. But the one thing I would say is just make smart bets. Pick the right running backs that have interesting landing spots that you could Two see. Two ACLs. Yeah, I mean, you could see get on the field fairly quickly. I mean, that that's kind of the way that I've approached it because I do think there's a lot of very good running backs in this draft class. You may not get any of the guys who are going to end up being like James Robinson for you but you could get these guys who ends up being RB2s with the injuries or the right situation. So that's just kind of the way I, I've attacked it is get your guy, get that stud in round one, and then just take smart shots. Don't take, in my opinion, as Dennis, but you don't take the small wide receivers in the second. Don't take the Tank Dells or the guys who landed you think in great situations. Go grab those running backs and, and worry about wide receiver later. 
Well, one thing that's exciting is we are moving ever closer to the season, and it is rookie draft season. So good luck if your rookie drafts uh, have begun or are beginning, uh, and good luck preparing for those uh, onslaughts that are about to come. Uh, Matt and Dennis will be back with you on Friday. Until then, study that game tape.